Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Backstory. On last week's episode, we talked a little bit about knee arthritis and the benefits of weight loss and exercise. And contrary to popular belief, running isn't actually as bad for your knees as we previously had thought. But today I want to talk about some of the interventional approaches to helping patients with knee arthritis. And while most of these deal with the symptomatic relief from knee arthritis, there are some potential for the biological and the restorative properties of some of these treatments in treating knee arthritis. So we know that knee arthritis is a common condition affecting millions of people worldwide. And last week we talked about how knee arthritis is caused by the degeneration of cartilage in the knee joint, which can then lead to pain and stiffness and reduced mobility. There are many treatments available for knee arthritis, including physical therapy and medications and even surgery. But injectable options have really gained popularity due to their effectiveness, their convenience, And in today's episode, we're going to explore some of the most commonly used injectable options for knee arthritis. The first is corticosteroids. Now, steroids are one of the most commonly used injectable options for knee arthritis. And these drugs are essentially the synthetic versions of cortisol, which is a hormone that circulates in our body. It is produced naturally. Steroids work by reducing inflammation, which can help alleviate some of the pain and stiffness associated with cartilage loss in the knee. These steroids can be injected into the knee joint under image guidance, either using x-ray or fluoroscopy, or more commonly in many of our offices, we use ultrasound guidance to precisely localize and target where to deliver the medication. Often, steroids are combined with a local anesthetic to provide some of this immediate pain relief. While cortisone can be effective in reducing pain and inflammation, the effects of cortisone are usually temporary, and most patients, if not all, experience a return of symptoms within a few weeks or even a few months. The other challenge is that there are some potential side effects associated with corticosteroid injections, which can include infection, bleeding, and even nerve damage. And many times patients who receive corticosteroid injections may also experience elevated blood sugars, which could be problematic, especially in those with diabetes. There's been a lot of literature recently discussing the long-term complications of chronic corticosteroid use, which can lead to the worsening of the underlying cartilage and progression of joint arthritis, which it's why it's very important to exercise caution especially with repeat steroid injections in the various joints of the body. The second most common injectable option is hyaluronic acid. This is a form of visco supplementation. Now, hyaluronic acid is a natural component that's found in the synovial fluid or in the fluid inside of the knee joint that surrounds and lubricates the knee. What happens when the cartilage in the knee joint begins to break down the concentration of hyaluronic acid and synovial fluid decreases, which can then lead to friction, which can also cause pain and stiffness in the joint. So when you administer hyaluronic acid, these injections are designed to supplement the natural supply of collagen and hyaluronic acid in the knee. 
they also are injected directly into the knee joint with image guidance, again, using fluoroscopy, x-ray, or ultrasound. And much of the data suggests that patients can receive long-lasting relief of pain and stiffness from these injections. Of note, this is also the same su substance that is used in cosmetic and aesthetic medicine. Things like lip fillers and cheek fillers. Basically, hyaluronic acid is composed of proteins and glycans that are very similar to the structure of collagen. The side effect profile of hyaluronic acid is generally considered quite safe as it is a natural substance, but there are some rare cases where patients may experience an allergic reaction. However, most of the time, this is very well tolerated. The third type of injection treatment for knee arthritis is within the orthobiologic or regenerative medicine domain. In recent years, there has been a growing interest in the use of platelet-rich plasma or even some stem cell-based therapies as potential treatment options for patients with knee arthritis. Now, PRP, or platelet-rich plasma, is a concentrated solution of platelets and growth factors that is obtained from your own blood. When a patient comes in the office, we can create PRP by drawing a small amount of blood from the patient's arm, and we process that in a centrifuge. We separate the platelets from some of the rest of the blood components that we don't need, and the resulting solution is injected directly into the joint or into the affected areas. The thought process is that PRP and platelets have these healing properties that can promote tissue regeneration, can cause tissue repair, and several studies have been investigated showing that the use of PRP as a treatment for knee arthritis is quite effective. In fact, there is one meta-analysis that looked at a host of randomized controlled trials and found that PRP was more effective than placebo injections for improving pain and function in patients with knee arthritis. Now, it must be stated, and I can't underscore this enough, that the exact mechanism by which PRP works is not fully understood. In the regenerative space, we believe that a lot of its efficacy is due to the growth factors and the cytokines that promote the formation of new cartilage and perhaps even decrease inflammation in the joint. However, more research is really needed to fully understand the pathology and understand the potential benefits. The second option in the orthobiologic regenerative medicine space is the use of bone marrow and bone marrow aspirate concentration. Bone marrow contains a variety of stem cells, including mesenchymal stem cells, we'll call them MSCs, which do have the ability to differentiate into cartilage and bone and other tissues. However, the exact concentration of these MSCs is very, very small in bone marrow. So when we harvest bone marrow from the hip bone or the iliac crest, these mesenchymal stem cells or MSCs are isolated and concentrated and also then injected back into the affected area. Now, the data with bone marrow derived stem cells or a bone marrow stem cell based therapy uh, the data is kind of mixed, and some studies show significant improvements in pain and function, and other studies show no difference from cortisone or PRP or even hyaluronic acid. That being said, there are some patients who get tremendous benefits, and there are some who really don't get much benefit at all. The most important thing that we are trying to do a better job is in predicting who will respond to these regenerative treatments and who will not. Here at Wall Cornell in New York Presbyterian, we have published 
a few papers now on the use of bone marrow aspirate for patients with both hip and knee arthritis. And our results have shown tremendous efficacy and more than 70% responder rate, which means that more than 70% of the patients that we inject obtain at least 50% improvement in pain and 50% improvement in function. But there are also those non-responders. And my interest in is really figuring out who those non-responders are and what can I do on the clinician side to enhance their care. The main benefit of using either PRP or bone marrow aspirate is that these treatments are naturally occurring. They will not cause harm. They will not cause further degeneration of the joints as steroids do. And both are effective in achieving some benefit in terms of pain and improved function. And if you've had steroid injections or you've had hyaluronic acid and you're not achieving the functional benefit, I think it's worthy of a discussion with your qualified healthcare provider to determine the best course of treatment. And then of course, to tailor those treatments to your individual case. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about is something pretty innovative and novel that we do here at Wall Cornell and New York Presbyterian, which is called genicular nerve ablation. Now, basically, genicular ablation is a minimally invasive procedure that uses radio frequency energy to selectively ablate or destroy the sensory nerves that innervate the knee joint. And this is a procedure that we have been refining and enhancing the technique over the last eight years. And it's used to provide patients with long-term relief, suffering from knee arthritis, who really haven't found relief with the other treatments I've mentioned previously. So what happens during the procedure is first, there is a test injection. During this test injection, three or five nerves around the knee are anesthetized with a local anesthetic, something called lidocaine or bupivacaine. And if following the procedure, the patient reports significant reduction in pain and some improved functionality, this confirms that these are the nerves causing the pain. They are then scheduled for the more definitive procedure, which is the genicular ablation. During the ablation procedure, again, small needles are introduced into the knee joint around those nerves. This is all done using image guidance, either x-ray or ultrasound. And once that needle is positioned next to the genicular nerve, which is responsible for transmitting pain signals from the knee joint to the brain, then a radio frequency energy is applied to the nervous tissue, which causes it to heat up to 80 degrees centigrade or about 170 degrees Fahrenheit and the nerve ultimately dies or gets ablated. I don't like to say die because the human body is designed in such a way that these nerves will ultimately regenerate. That can take up to six months or nine months or 12 months, depending on the technique and the, depending on the patient. But the goal of genicular ablation is to selectively destroy only the sensory nerves that transmit pain signals from the knee joint, while most importantly, preserving the motor nerves that control the movement of the joint. So this procedure can help with reducing pain, maybe even inflammation of the joint, but most importantly, it does not affect the function. The procedure is done on an outpatient basis, usually done under local anesthesia. There are some patients that like to have sedation or propofol. It's the same medication used in colonoscopies, just depending on the number of nerves being treated. The procedure takes about 30 minutes and patients experience usually some temporary pain and swelling. However, most patients are able to return to their normal activities within about a week, and the full effects of the procedure sometimes take about four to six weeks to become fully apparent. 
While genicular nerve ablation is considered safe, there are some potential risks, which can include bleeding and infection and nerve damage. And generally, these risks are pretty low and can be minimized with proper technique and patient selection. Another innovative technique we're doing here at Wall Cornell with our collaboration through the Department of Neurosurgery and Interventional Radiology is something called genicular artery ablation, embolization. And basically, this is where tiny particles are used to block the blood supply to the knee joint, which can also help reduce pain and inflammation. And similar to other cardiac procedures, a small catheter is inserted into the groin and a wire is guided up through the arteries around the blood vessel. Tiny particles are injected into the catheter, which block the blood supply. And this can improve mobility, can improve quality of life in patients suffering from knee arthritis. Now, luckily for me, I am able to partner with one of our neurosurgeons, and we are about to start a trial treating patients with both genicular artery embolization and genicular nerve ablation. Basically, so we can provide significant long-term relief to patients with knee arthritis who either don't want any replacement or otherwise want the most minimally invasive option to treat their pain, improve their function and quality of life. Now, what if none of these things I've mentioned work for you? You've lost weight, you've done physical therapy, you're eating healthy, you've done the exercise, you've had multiple injections, and still you're in pain and your quality of life has been impaired. And that's what I want to talk to you about surgery. Now, typically surgery is the last resort for many patients. And in most, patient, most cases, we try to do every conservative, non-operative treatment we can before recommending any type of joint surgery, including knee replacement. But if you've exhausted these options, then it's probably time to consider knee replacement surgery. What happens in knee replacement surgery basically is that the diseased tissues and damaged bones and cartilage are removed from the knee joint and hardware is implanted in those places, essentially replacing the knee, which is why it's called a joint replacement. Typically patients are able to leave the hospital either the same day or within a couple of days of the surgery, depending on age and comorbidities. Outpatient physical therapy is started pretty quickly. Weight-bearing status is accelerated probably within day one or day two from surgery. And the majority of the patients have about 90% recovery after three months, but some can take up to six months. In our practice, we have had patients who have undergone knee replacement surgery where the diseased tissue has been removed, and yet they still suffer from pain. And in those patients, we then go back to treating with the genicular ablation to help with knee pain, improved functionality and quality of life. So I hope this gives you a nice overview of some of the interventional options when it comes to treating your pain with knee arthritis. But the most important thing is sticking with a healthy lifestyle, maintaining optimal and ideal weight, trying to exercise and staying mobile. And hopefully you don't need anything I've discussed in the last two episodes. Until next time, stay active, be well. We've got your back. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn 
more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D.com. 